You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome into the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest. We have our first NFL physical therapist. We have Dano Norseed of the Arizona Cardinals, where he is an assistant assistant athletic trainer and physical therapist. Dano, welcome in. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So give us a little bit of background about yourself, kind of where you grew up and uh, what got you involved in sports PT in the first place. All right. So first and foremost... Uh, Born and raised in New York, um, Haitian, Haitian American. Both of my parents are from Haiti, but you know, I was born in America, which makes me Haitian American. Um, you know, sports has been sports has been in my life pretty at an early age, uh, due to having two parents, you know, coming from Caribbean country and trying to, you know, Americanize themselves. I think sports uh pretty much kinda like put that acceleration into, you know, becoming more Americanized and reaching out and having friends. Also, you know, the community I was a part of, uh, pretty, pretty big on sports on a high level. We had a couple guys, you know, leave out, um, you know, big name guys like Devin and Jason McCourty, Junior Gallette. Uh, There's a bunch of them, but, you know, you kind of try to find talent early in my, in my neighborhood between, CYO, AU, Pop Warner Leagues, uh, and then, you know, from there, you just rise up. So, you know, having two parents that work all the time and, you know, sports is kind of like school aftercare. Uh, sports was that that third parent. And, uh, you know, I appreciate, you know, how 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 I grew up and, you know, the, the town and, and, and communities I, I've been a part of. Um, and after that, you know, went to St. Joe's Regional High School in uh, Montville, New Jersey, which is North Jersey. Uh, and if you're not familiar with the New York and North Jersey area, New Jersey kind of borders New York. And it, at the time, if you were, you know, seeking high, higher level of sports, uh, you would kind of try to go to a group of, you know, parochial Catholic all boys schools or in you know, a co-ed Don Bosco, St. Joe's Rucker uh, in the Rutgers area and Bergen Catholic. So I went to St. Joe's regional um, and that right there is kind of like the boost to high level sports. Uh, a lot of the guys I went to, you know, high school with ended up going pro or, you know, D one power five, uh, you know, sports was, sports was a big thing at that school. You, you know, I've, have games there that actually had more fans and more, you know, more publicity than my undergrad uh, university. That's uh, that's pretty much how big that was. And, you know, St. Joe's Regional is definitely the foundation for, you know, my education, my grit, uh, just understanding waking up early. And, you know, I'm, I'm 30 now, so this is, I'm part of that old school before everything transitions. I even remember days where, you know, we had doubles was around double sessions was was allowed and you know being being all day at school jumping from football all right into basketball and trying to juggle between whether you want to do 
AAU basketball or go to multiple summer camps. And so that's definitely, you know, the first upbringings and foundation to, you know, where I'm from and what I'm about. And after that, um, you know, St. Joe's was a predominantly white uh, institute uh, when in a high school area. So at the time, you know, I was trying to get exposed to stomp the yard and wanted to seek a historical black college. Um, One of my, one of my good um, colleagues uh, in high school, you know, he had a father that went to Howard University and he, you know, he was kind of pushing and and told me like he wanted to go to historical black college. And I was like, Hey, you know, I kind of want to do that as well. So um, at first I wanted to go, you know, to your big name, historical black colleges, whether, whether it was Howard or Hampton or TSU, but um, I got a full scholarship to go to Lincoln university, which is actually the first historical black college um, ever found in 1854. So I go to Lincoln, Lincoln is in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, probably like 30, 30 minutes away from Philadelphia, but borders Delaware and borders Maryland. So um, at Lincoln University, um, you know, that was just, you know, embracing, you know, the black culture, being educated uh, by a lot of, you know, leaders and in, in, in black modules that, um, that that's what I needed at the time. Um, and even there, uh, I kind of, I can say that because the jump from going to a nationally recognized high school and um, just the level of exposure at St. Joe's, I kind of lost the love for sports because Lincoln University D2 CIAA wasn't enough for me. It was fun, but it wasn't enough for me. So kind of like lost the love of sports, but I needed that because then I started taking, you know, my education and other, you know, other aspects, education. I still wouldn't say I took education serious, but it was just, you know, more involved in student body, um, you know, kind of like was just embracing the, you know, the undergrad and being just, I guess you say a regular student, but at the same time I knew um, because of the grind I was exposed to in high school, I would want more. So about like sophomore year, end of sophomore year, start getting more involved, becoming, you know, Caribbean society, uh, seeking out whether I wanted to do a fraternity. Um, and then I think my end of my sophomore, end of my sophomore year, uh, I had to declare, I had to declare a major. So it's funny because I went, I went to Lincoln University with the hopes of being a chemical engineer, but Man, I didn't really like math that much, so <laughs> I dropped that real. I dropped that real quick, and then I was, you know, under, I was undeclared. But I, I know I wanted. To, I knew I wanted to do something with sports. I don't think I wanted to coach, but um, I still had the coaching in my mind. But I wanted to be, you know, involved with an athlete because I felt like I knew uh, the mindset of an athlete. And like I said, like at the end of the day, most of my friends at that point were at Pitt, Louisville, and, and I'm watching, you know, the twins are still in the NFL striving. So I'm, I'm seeking like, how, like, how, how can I, how can I get back in the mix? But, um, a more secured, a more secured income. And, you know, my, my mom's a nurse. So I came with the decision where I'm going to try to do medical and I'm going to try to do, um, sports. So the first thing, um, I thought about was physical therapy. Uh, there was no athletic training program um, at my university. And I also didn't have the proper guidance or education um, to 
sit and say, hey, I wanted to do athletic training. But I just knew, you know, uh, PT was something that I wanted to do. Right. So I'm at the point where end of my sophomore year, after realizing chemical engineer is not it, um, you know, just undeclared as a student, just living the, you know, student life, enjoying the HBCU experience, I now ha- I have to declare a major. And the one thing, you know, I wanted to do was make sure I choose something that didn't feel like work. So with the pressure of, and it's a good pressure, with the pressure of, you know, being from the Haitian culture, like, you know, they view success as, you know, lawyer, doctor, mom, mom's a nurse. So I'm like, how can I do that? But at the same time, implement sports and, you know, make, make a good, you know, make a good career of it. Um, I was dabbling between coaching, but like I said, with my mom, you know, being RN, so I'm like, Hey, you know, PT won't be that bad. And I do remember around that time that, that, uh, that film with uh, Queen Latifah in Common had came out where she was a PT and she was helping Common come back. And so I was like, hey, man, let me let me do PT because, you know, when an athlete when an athlete's hurt, that's probably the most, you know, it's a crucial point in their career because they're like, man, like, how can I get back to doing what I what I love? And I'm hurt. So I'm like, hey, you know, I got I love fitness. You know, I got the got the coaching aspect in regards to having great coaches and being exposed to sports. So I chose PT. And once again, at my undergrad, um, didn't have athletic training and I didn't have the guidance when I made that decision on my own um, of, you know, how athletic training, you know, fits into the actual idea and dream I had in my mind, but just, you know, wanted to be a uh, sports PT or, or working with athletes. I don't think at the time I knew for sure I wanted to be with a team setting, but I wanted to be, I wanted to be a sports PT. Um, and then now, so now from there, uh, you know, took the health science clinical, clinical tract uh, pretty much. And, you know, the funny thing is, you know, when I think about it, um, I didn't really know anybody else that left my school and, uh, you know, did PT. So I, you know, did the health science track, was big on, you know, finishing undergrad in time and for in four years. And, uh, you know, I left out and I remember leaving out and telling my advisor, like, you know, I'm going to go to grad school and, and do this, do this PT thing. Um, but it's funny because, like I said, I'm still kind of like the startup of the health science track. So I leave uh, Lincoln University without uh, even taking physics one and physics two. So it's funny when I look back at it, like how can someone take the health science track and want to do anything, uh, anything in the medical field without taking physics one, physics two, but it also worked out um, to my advantage because at the same time I was, I definitely am disciplined, but back then, you know, with joining the fraternity and, you know, enjoying the whole, you know, college undergrad experience um i was good enough academically because of how hard um st joe's curriculum was because it was a college my high school is a college preparatory high school but at the same time being able to take physics one and physics two outside of all the distractions and being a little bit more focused helped me so i leave lincoln university probably may uh 9th 2014 and a older brother in my fraternity i'm a a member of kappa alpha Psi fraternity incorporated uh just you know shot a uh message in our group chat that hey you know i have a job 
um, immediately for undergrads, had nothing to do with, um, you know, medicine or medical field, uh, but it was in Washington, D.C. and it was pretty high, high dollar for, for the hour. So I was like, you know, um, and I didn't know how hard it was to get into PT school at the time. I was like, hey, I'll be able to do that and um, I'll be able to do that and um, get into PT school. Oh, yeah, I, was, I definitely was, you know, kidding myself with that. But I went to D.C., uh, for two years. As soon as I get to DC that summer, I take physics one, physics two at UDC um, in night classes. So I was able to focus, lock in and get some high grades. Uh, and I immediately applied to probably like three, three of your top schools in the DC area. Because at that time too, as I take that internship slash job that had, did, had nothing to do with the medical field, I also was trying to, you know, level up in that aspect because I was technically a you know government official worker of of what I was doing at the point so I get immediate denials man um and it's like wow I'm like immediate denials and I'm like what do I do so now I had to go back uh to the blueprint and became a PT aid um but I knew PT aid wasn't enough based on you know the dollar and I was already exposed to you know making good enough but at the same time wasn't going to settle i wanted to continue my dream so becoming a pt aide met a uh met a student going into his first year um my, my boy eric and he was like yeah you know what don't worry about it just take some prerequisites over and you know told me to take sherpa class for gre and you'll be a you know you'll be a great aide here and at the end of the day you'll get at least seven recommendations from the pts here so you know, I was like, all right, you know, I'll do it, even though it's $10 an hour or maybe $9 at the time. So I did that, um, you know, for a full time. I was a PT, PT aide um, on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and retook about, say, 14 to 16 credits because um, I, mean, I, I, left, I left undergrad with a 2.8 uh, GPA, and I knew after the denial so immediate i was like all right gotta get gotta get my grades up gotta get some b pluses or a's and i think i'll be able to do it now with more focus and then with the thousands of hours i knew i was going to get by the time i would apply again um that was that was basically my main focus so two years in dc 2014 to 2016 i'm a pta retaking prereqs and then i'm like all right gotta get back um gotta get back into uh coaching or some type of sport Cause while I was at the while I was at the PT clinic, um, asking you know some of the new, they were new PT uh, new grads at the time. That's funny. We went, they both went to Marymount. One of them was a uh, great soccer player. He ended up leaving and going semi pro. And I asked him like, you know, why are you working in a clinic and not in like with a with a sports team? And he was like, you know, it's not that easy to get into sports. Um, and he probably mentioned athletic training at the time, but I was just wasn't I wasn't hearing it. But I know he mentioned CSCS. He mentioned you know you got to get you got to get into residency. He was mentioning a lot of steps that I was taking in, so that now that I'm not even in PT school yet, I already have a mindset going into PT school that residency is what I'm going to need. I'm going to need to get my CSCS, and I'm going to have to do some extra work while uh while in pt school so uh october 2016 i you know i get into pt school and i kind of fast forward i forgot to mention that i did um get a coaching job at a similar high school 
to the one I went to back up north, but in, in Washington, D.C. And that right there was kind of like definitely the that was the one experience where it's like, yeah, uh, football is the most like peaceful thing that I have to do. Like whether I, even though I was in coaching, but I was talking to the AT there and I was like, yeah, I got to get back into high level football because it's just like I was evaluating and I was I was I was just so happy, even though I, I didn't have any like direction of where my life or career was going. But it was that I was fine. I was fine with the hours. I was fine with it. But I still wanted to get into PT school. So I uh, find out that I'm going back to Long Island, New York. Uh, there was a one school I got accepted to. So I had a total of 14 schools. I go to I go to NYIT in Long Island, but I go to NYIT with laser focus, like third year residency, top residency. Uh, tell everybody. I remember sitting up and introducing myself. I'm like, I'm going to try to be sports PT in the NFL. Um, and then also it helped to have a best friend that, um, I was in high school with that now entering his ninth or 10 year, 10th year in the NFL. So by him, you know, being in the league and being so close to him, that also is a driving force where it's like, you know, I just got to, I just got to get in. It's doable. But I did not know how much work was uh, ahead of what I was, you know, saying, but at least I had the vision and the direct focus. So then now it's funny that my first professor, one of my biggest mentors, uh, Eric Greenberg, uh, was our PT for our foundation, the orthopedic. And when he, when his name pops up on the screen, uh, he had PT, DPT, CSCS, and SCS. So literally like that moment went up to him, you know, it was like, wow, like you have all the credentials that this guy was telling me about. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I went to his office and he was like, man, my goal is NFL. And he was straight up. He's like, I, you know, that was not my goal. I'm here, you know, as a professor, but by him going to University of Delaware residency, he had the networking and knew someone um, that was, um, you know, as driven as I was and ended up actually was working in the NFL. And that's one of my other distant mentors, uh, Mike Ankibola. So um, he directly kind of like guided me to reach out to him. I reached out to Mike Ankibola, like at least yeah, my first, my first year in PT school through Facebook and was asking him, you know, what to do. So then now, now I, now I have, a, I have some more focused guidance, but it's still in line with, um, with sports residency. So I'm, I'm pretty much all, you know, all my marbles is, you know, gotta either get the grades or get extra experience to impress, you know, my, the residencies through my application. So my whole, my whole three years of PT school is like, you know, I did the work, I grinded uh, very hard. It was very hard to even finish. But, you know, if everyone, you go back to my PT class, I'm the one asking questions. It probably wasn't even, in a, uh, probably wasn't even appropriate at the time. I'm asking questions like, yeah, what would you do in this scenario with the athlete? Like, you know, people like Dano, shut up. Like they're talking about geriatric school. But, you know, I was just, I was just driven. So, um, fast forward, uh, hit third year. But the thing was, on top of the four clinical rotations that, you know, are required in PT school, I had a friend of mine that we played football together that was a PT, and he tried to do residency, and he didn't automatically get in. And when I asked him, you know, how didn't you get in, he was like, I think I needed more experience. So when you do, when you do uh, get into PT school, make sure you get some more sports experience on top of what they're, you know, providing. And I, I, I mean, I think I, by having that two-year gap, 
and being focused and not wanting to settle, I think I had a better focus and kind of like eagerness to get what I need to get done versus, you know, <laughs> wanting a real break from school or like, you know, itching to go to make a dollar, which I should have, you know, because it was tough, you know, in PT school, you can't really work like that. So instead of doing that, what I did was talk to my clinical coordinator and make sure that every rotation I had was immediately after my last class. So then I would have like a gap break from, let's say, Memorial Day up until not having to show up again in September. So by doing that, every year I did some type of outperformance uh, extra internship, whether it was just going down to Miami uh, and working at Chris Chambers and just folding my arms and watching somebody, or I, I, I just made sure I, I did that. Like I went to Houston and did an internship at Plex, did an internship at an Exo Satellite in North Carolina. But, you know, so technically I did seven rotations, but they were like immediate, like I would leave my NYU subacute, uh, acute rotation and just like fund my own way and, and, and just go go to go to Texas or go or go to Florida. Uh, and that helped me a lot because um, one, it exposed me to working with athletes, understanding people that work with athletes, but also exposed me to saying to seeing that, okay, I've been to Exos, I've been to a Chris Chambers, I've been to a Plex, but I still want to be someone that's with them during the season because I would build rapport and talk to the guys after, you know, you get properly introduced and meet them. And then it's like they're leaving and going to the team setting. I was like, I mean, I, I want to be with a team versus, you know, on the outside. And, you know, I had great mentors, but like every, every place I went, you know, pretty much most of them, I told them my goals and they were like, you know, it's doable, but you might have to be an AT. You might, it's, it's, it's being mentioned, but I'm not, I think at the time I'm not listening to it, but it's being mentioned. So I'm like, you know, I ain't worried about it. Once I get into the right residency as, as, as I was, you know, guided by certain mentors, I'll, I'll be fine. So third year comes around and um, I get, I applied to about 12 sports residencies and now I had pretty good, had pretty good um, research and, you know, locked in which ones would have got me the platform that I needed to get into the NFL. Mm -hmm. So UPMC and University of Miami, University of Kentucky, those are the top ones I could think about. But, you know, I got, got several interviews, man. My third, my third year and my fourth rotation when I was, I was in Florida at a great um, outpatient PT that sees a lot of pro athletes. I was literally flying like a ping pong just to interview. This is before COVID. So you had to fly out all day interviews. And, and I, I'm just getting, first of all, just to get an interview in the residency process is, is a big jump. So I'm feeling good about it. And I'm pretty much getting down to, we would go back and be like, man, um, I need to either make a selection from this or that. Like, I'm pretty confident I'm going to get something because I'm, I'm leaving these interviews, you know, pretty confident. Uh, March 6, 2019 comes around. Uh, me and my one classmate from NYIT were both, you know, trying to get into residency and we got nothing, man. I, I, I was sad, bro, because I put everything in the basket. I, I felt, I remember telling my mom, like, I mean, I don't even want to graduate PT school, like, just you guys go get that go get that degree for me um but I was sad so then literally I went to my clinic that Monday and it was to, I had a great relationship with my my uh, clinical instructor and I was like man I think I'm going to have to go back to you know go get an AT AT degree because you know I I know this is what I want and 
you know, I've got luckily got exposed to so many great rotations, so many great internships. That I'm like, you know what, like, I, I know this is what I want, even though I know I could do this and wait and, you know, eventually just sit and study for SCS. But, you know, I, I made that decision within like a couple of days. And then I went back and kind of like reached out to find certain people that did that route, that did the untraditional route of getting their DPT first and going back and getting a master's in athletic training. And everybody that I talked to that did it was like, you don't understand how much this is going to help you if you really want this. Um, and that's what, that's what I needed. Like, even though I was going to, I felt like I was going to do it regardless, but then actually talking and seeing people that did it before I was like, all right, it's, it's set in stone. I went back, uh, went to my, my first mentor, Eric Greenberg, which, you know, was finishing at that time when we go back for graduation, we're finishing up our research project. And he's like, you didn't hear anything from any, uh, any residencies. I'm like, no, but you know what? I decided I'm about to go and get my massive athletic training. I pretty much got accepted and um I'm going to I'm going to start in June like uh we graduated uh May 23rd and I started AT school June 1st of 2019 um and bro it's like hit the ground running so uh and when I when I went to AT school I was also straightforward with my AT program that you know hey um you know like I am coming here because I do want the degree but I also have you know a straightforward mindset of, you know, getting into pro sports. And, you know, at first, um, now going into the AT side of things at, at High Point University, High Point University, a great program, an accelerated master's athletic training program, been there for a while. Um, it wasn't that, it wasn't that easy because you can't just go in there and just have, you know, one mindset. You got to embrace the profession for what it is. ATs do way more than just, you know, just the sports setting. And uh, I think High Point is a great program that promotes that because, you know, ATs can can work in the military. They can work uh, with a physician in an orthopedic, uh, an orthopedic uh, physician uh, clinic. They, they, they can do so much, right? So um, although I was driven, you know, sometimes, you know, you're driven, your driven attitude, you have to kind of like tame it down and take in everything, uh, everything that comes with what you're trying to, what you're trying to gain. So, you know, high point was tough too. Cause you know, I'm, I'm a new grad. I'm, I'm, I'm a PT. I'm, tr- I'm trying to, you know, show my skills and trying to do that PT stuff. But at the same time, I'm back in the classroom, man, learning anatomy over again, you know, taking MSK, um, having to do athletic training rotations, which are completely different than, um, PT rotations, you know, working with different preceptors, but at the same time, I'm actually getting into, you know, the athletic training room, um, back in the athletic training room, because I, you know, I was exposed to the athletic training room at Lincoln University, working as uh, as a student aide. But now I have, you know, the athletic training, you know, competencies that I'm trying to gain. But at the same time, also got a whole bunch of great foundation and new skills that I'm trying to, you know, uh, add on to these rotations. So now I had uh, high school rotation a women's uh, college rotation, a pro sports rotation, and then a, uh, a men's a men's rotation. And there's a, other few rotations like um, orthopedic setting, but I'm just going to key in on those. So every, everything was different, right? Like you go, you go into a preceptor, which is a, a clinical instructor in the PT world, uh, AT world calls it preceptor. Um, every preceptor is different, man. Like some preceptors accepted the fact that, you know, I was um, – 
a fairly new PT grad with, with good experience and gave me the green light to do my PT skills and, and, and showed me certain things that I had to work on AT wise. Some, you know, kept me on, kept me on ice and, and tried, tried to hold my reins and, you know, make me want to lock in and wear my AT hat more than, more than my PT. And all that, you know, kind of helps me to the point of this day of the clinician I am and the clinician I'm going to work on, on, on becoming. But um, that's pretty much kind of like the background. So I, I know I've been talking for a while. I'll let you ask some questions, but that's the, that's the breakdown up until this point, and we can go for, further from there. Yeah, no, I think I think your story, like all the way getting back to kind of how your drive to become a sports PT and kind of how it's every step has kind of shaped of your you know your your entire career path and your your educational path. I think that's super helpful because I'm sure there's plenty of people that are facing some of the same dilemmas. You know, they kind of may have similar right, so upbringings University and being Tennessee super involved and heavily involved in sports and then kind of, kind of deciding where they want to, you know, University spend their Tennessee. journey. Uh, I think kind of hearing uh, what point, you've been through uh, may help steer them in one direction rather than another. So I think the beginning of it, hearing that is, is like super, BOC, super informational uh, and super helpful. And become a, uh, um, so trainer. Uh, I kind of wanted to go into a little bit more about kind of your role now. So right now you're with the car, your assistant athletic trainer and PT for the Cardinals. Um, but before that, I saw when I was doing a little bit of research on you, I saw that you worked a little bit with University of Tennessee and then also with the Panthers and the Chiefs. So kind of tell us a little bit about your time at University of Tennessee and how that might have differed from your time working um, in professional sports, whether it was with the Chiefs or where your current position is now. Um, and I wanted that because I knew it was SEC. Um, I was familiar with, you know, upper extremity from my fourth rotation in PT school in uh, in Florida, working with Matt Donner. But I, I wanted more because that was kind of one area where I uh, wasn't so confident in because, you know, how, you know, pitching mechanics and how, how demanding, you know, the shoulder complex is for baseball. And I'm not going to lie, man, I wasn't really a big baseball fan. Uh, so I knew it was like, man, it's going to be a struggle. It's like coming fresh off of my first NFL experience with Panthers, which is one of my favorite and probably going to be the best best experience I ever had because it was my first. So, you know, I go, I go to University of Tennessee and I get lucky to have a preceptor that's been there for years, man. He's uh, in his 60s and probably been at AT for over 30 years, um, Woody. And Woody had so much so much education and such a green light and like the I think one of the best um preceptor clinical instructors I ever got a chance to work with because it's funny because SEC baseball is it's top notch. Like you got guys there there that can automatically have went 
and played professional baseball. So you have to be very particular. And um, he had different, he had different treatment approaches and it just, it just worked well. Uh, I think definitely the confidence from leaving uh, an NFL season helped out a lot, but, you know, I go in there, I, I, I learned, learned uh, from Woody. I also taught Woody some stuff that, you know, he was accepted to, to learning um, and I had a, we had a great student aide that actually ended up being one of my, uh, younger frat brothers. So that, you know, that helped a lot. And they had a great strength coach there. That's now, um, the strength coach of the Chicago Cubs minor league. So I, I was just, just learning. And I think at that point, um, at that point in my, you know, student career and, you know, my P I'm just like accepting the fact that you can learn from everybody and just, you know, locking in on what, what it takes to kill an internship or clin- kill a clin- clinical rotation. And that's just, you know, showing up every day, bringing the juice, having energy, soaking everything up, um, understanding when to implement certain stuff, you know, building reports with the guys. And, and it, the funny thing was the guys knew that I didn't know baseball culture that much, but because I genuinely had them, first at heart and I knew what to do, you know, as a PT and as a, you know, upcoming AT when it came time to like, yeah, explain to me like the demands of the sport, like explain to me like why you, why you go to batting practice so much and asking wood certain stuff, it, it all blended together. And then honestly, bro, it's like once SEC play started and once the season started, how many games and how much time is spent in a training room and at the ballpark, it just became reps and reps and reps. So now last year at this time, it's April, we're probably on our third SEC game and, and we got a flow, like got a flow of, you know, how to treat guys, understood, you know, what Woody's demands were and understood, you know, how how beneficial this internship was because although um, although I was, you know, sports and wanted to do football, I just know that at this point, Everybody knows everybody. So also I didn't have, at that point I knew I was going to Kansas City as a seasonal intern, but I didn't have a full-time job set up. So I'm trying to do the best job that I can because at the end of the day, if I could, you know, do a great job for Woody and, you know, Tennessee football um knows about knows about me, um it, it could open up a door after I'm done, you know, uh with my Kansas City Chiefs uh internship. So, yeah, all that, all that came in mind. But you know, I say the difference between your your football and baseball is all right. You got definitely athletes are you know common, but different sports demands and different athletes are different. Like baseball players are perfectionists; they get a lot of treatment. So does football players get a lot of treatment? But they're big on their range of motion. It's a lot of you know a lot of concern of their velocity. Um, they actually work very hard. They're always, they're always playing baseball. They're always doing something, whether it's batting practice, where it's extra, it's extra throws, where it's soft toss, where, whether it's a, you know, it's a heavy ball toss, something. So by that understanding that and being okay and having the stamina um, coming from, you know, an NFL season, like I said, the reps and reps and reps and having, you know, a clinical instructor or a preceptor that was willing and understood, you know, my energy, it was just, it was a, it, it was a foundation. And even to this day, bro, I keep up with those guys. Tennessee is actually the number one baseball, um, college baseball team in the nation right now. So I'm happy for them. Last year, they were like number three and number five 
and then went to Omaha. But it was, man, it was high level, bro. I, I didn't know how high level it was. I wanted high level, but that was that was the highest level, man. Um, and it, it was a lot. And, you know, I just adapted. But I definitely could say that um, the way the order of things worked out for me um, helped me out. Like going from Carolina and working with professional athletes and, you know, having that and getting that under your belt. And then now going back and going to, your you know, your serious you know, college athletes and, and SEC baseball um, was good. And then after that, too, that's that set me up to be able to handle what was coming forward that, that next year was going to, you know, Kansas City football team, which is a winning organization and, you know, old school and, and with an old with an old school coach uh, mindset and was able to, you know, have to adapt and handle that. But everything, everything fell in line, um, honestly, in every single rotation uh, boosted me and helped me learn what to do for the next one. Yeah, so um, Kansas City, uh, I made, I got accepted, uh, I think December or November, so December and November of 20, uh, 2020, and I knew that I was going into it. So that's, that also helped me out. So you know you're going to do something, you find out, you research about it, you reach out to mentors. Uh, at that point, I had, you know, Carolina Panthers and my preceptor there as a mentor. So I'm asking, you know, what's the culture, you know, going over there. And also as a student, um, athletic trainer and having Gotcha. So talk to us a little bit about um, your time in friends, Kansas City. You know, I know, um, know it's like a seasonal Panthers, internship, but kind of tell us a little bit how your experience was there. And Panthers, is there any like major keys or things that you picked up while working there? When I get to, when I got to Kansas City, but no team in the NFL is the same. I can say no internship is the same. They probably have common characteristics, but man, it's I'm telling you, it's different. But I just knew that when I go there, I'm going to have to work and I'm going to have to work hard. Um, I also have a great preceptor and great, you know, uh, mentors and, and leaders, man. Rick Burkholder, head athletic trainer for um, Kansas City, actually one head athletic trainer of the year this year. David Glover, um, one assistant athletic trainer of the year this year. Tiffany Morton, Julie, Evan Kraft. That, that staff has been together for a long time. So they have so much structure and and remember, I said, you know, I'm a new grad and I got all these experiences and I, I'm ready to shine and, and show my certain things. But that internship at that moment um, in the beginning is a new team. It's a new bunch of clinicians. That's not what they were asking for. Um, it's a lot of grunt work. Right. So at the end of the day, um, I knew that I had an end goal. Like my end goal is to I'm on a seasonal internship, which is basically a one to two year everyday job interview for a full time. So. The tasks that were given to me, the grunt work tasks, the small responsibilities. Um, you know, my preceptor was tough on me. Uh, she knew my she knew my goals, but it was all tough love. And you know, I just you just had you just had to grind, bro. Like uh, even you know you're you just run running around the field full speed and giving out water. Someone's gonna notice it, right? Like you know, you're racking up Gatorade. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're building rapport by driving an athlete, a hurt athlete to their house, picking up, you know, meds from CVS, all small things that are, are tough, 
you know, like at the because when you put in my age and certain experiences, I feel like you know I, I'm ready for certain stuff. But when you're given a task and you've accepted an internship, you just do the things that are asked of you to the best of your ability. Then other things are gonna come, right? So um, I'm not gonna go into all detail of how the internship was, but like I'm, I mentioned, a whole bunch of grunt work. But there were also times where I could actually use my clinical skills, which is at Kansas City, we have something called like soft tissue time. And it's mainly during like your training camp where you have 110 guys and it's time where, you know, guys want to get, you know, feel good treatment. So at that time I have my dry needling certification and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with different uh, interventions, manual therapy wise. So that's another area where, you know, I, I used that. Like that was my time where I used it to build rapport with athletes. But this, the same rapport I'm building on the table, I felt like I built that rapport by just being full speed running around and getting guys water um, outside of practice. That's the first, like, that's the first way you build rapport. Like find out this guy, you only like blue Gatorade. All right, I'm going to have blue Gatorade for you. It's going to be cold. And you know, it's, you're not even, I'm going to watch your body language. I'm going to give it to you. And then that same guy, the same guy is going to ask you, can you do this for me? Um, like, you know how to dry a needle? Like you, you, uh, it felt good. I, I felt good leaving off the table. Like you guys, your hands actually work little by little, man. And, and it goes back to, even if you get that, you get that small win, you just go back and listen to what your preceptor, listen to what your head athletic trainer says and understand your role and that, you know, you know, sometimes I'm not saying anybody listening to this and be like, oh yeah, I'm just an intern. Cause you're not just an intern because an intern definitely helps the organization um, operate, right? Like you're, you're a plus and you're an adjunct to the staff, but at the same time, you can't just come in there and just think that you're going to just take over and they want to shine and show your skills. You have to let that door open. You have to gain, gain that trust and gain that respect, gain that trust from the people that you work with and gain that trust from professional athletes that are making millions of dollars and whatever you do for them may affect how they perform. So um, yeah, man, that was, that was Kansas City, bro. I ain't, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Kansas City and Panthers, uh, those, if anyone has ever done an NFL internship, that's probably one of the, you know, long hours, hard grind. But at the end of the day, when you're doing it, you're realizing, wow, if you if this was your dream, as, as big as the dream it was for me, every moment you should be grateful because it's it's hard to even get selected to even do do those things. So, um so yeah, that's that's pretty much you know the Kansas City uh, rotation, and um, I had a you know I had a great uh, colleague. She's now a full time uh, athletic trainer with with University of Utah, working football. She was going into her second year at Kansas City, so me coming in my first year from even though I had a, uh, had a team experience, but like I said, you go to a new setting, new city. If I didn't have her, if I didn't have you know a um, a great preceptor. If I didn't know how to, you know, create relationships with everyone in the building, then that would have been a tough, uh, it would have been an even tougher internship because you have, to, you, you have to be taught, like you have to accept the fact that you don't know. And that's one of the things um, I learned from that one was like, it's okay to not know. And there's so much, there's so much to learn. And um, once you master that and you, you master the hard work and showing up every day and bringing the juice, like, I think you'll be able to, you know, have success in an internship and you'll get the most out of it. Gotcha. I think your, your message, your take home message about like your experience with the chiefs of, you know, every, or your, your hard work became noticed, not from your, your great interventions or whatever 
it came from like everyone noticing your hard work while you're doing the small dirty little things that you know people in your position after so many years of schooling and so many years of experience may kind of look down upon but you're the one kind of embracing those those little things making sure they get the right kind of gatorade or you know you're there hand and foot you know because you you take up on those little things is super important because it's so easy to say oh i want to do sports and be you know have my my shot on camera running out or doing whatever but in reality things that get you into the positions you are is because of those tiny little things that you know you do when nobody else is looking as well right all right so i want to go a little bit into your um time with the cardinals so when did you start with them and kind of tell us a little bit more about your role as you were both you know um athletic trainer and physical therapist for the arizona cardinals so um i started with the cardinals uh they're going into their fourth game of this year. Uh, so, you know, going back to the Kansas City uh, internship, I was supposed to be there for a year. And um, just, you know, how things work out in life and, you know, you believe in God, just, just when you're when it's your time, it's your time. One of my distant mentors that was a um, PTAT with the Cardinals took a um, position to leave out and go to the NBA. So that left, you know, an opening um, and a recommendation for me to uh, come in and interview and hopefully be selected for the position. And, you know, by doing a decent job and, you know, impressing the head athletic trainer and the rest of the staff of, you know, Arizona and them understanding and so grateful for them understanding, it was, I was able to, you know, end that um, rotate that rotation or slash internship early and, and head out for a full-time job. It doesn't really always work like that. Uh, you know, at the, at the first, at first I was, you know, worried that, you know, it would burn a bridge or put, you know, the Kansas city chiefs at a disadvantage of having to find an intern, but he, Rick Burkholder completely understood my preceptor completely understood. Um, and yeah, so week four going to LA, uh, the LA game with the Arizona cars went to LA um, that was my first, uh, that was my first game. That was my first week. Um, so now I'm on a, now I'm going to a different team. Um, but I have two teams. It, it was, it was challenging, but at the same time too, like also definitely had a level of confidence, right. That I'm like, you know, as long as I go in, learn their system. All right. Same mindset. Don't come in too hot. See, read the room. Um, you know, and the guy that left, uh, you know, my man, David Hines, uh, he kind of gave me a great, uh, he gave me a great, you know, 411 on what my role would be, what is accepted and, you know, and how to succeed. And I soaked that all up. Right. Um, didn't go in there with my own mindset, you know, was going to allow and see how things go. So go in there, man. And it's like, to be honest, I kind of hit the ground running because it's perfect because it's like. I've at that point I'm full throttle season um, from in season with Kansas city. So you just hop in there and I know how the weeks go. I just got to figure out, you know, how, how, how they operate. Right. So, you know, go in the first thing you do is just, you know, build rapport with the players in the smallest way. So now I'm I'm full time. So now I just got to understand that I have certain autonomy to, uh, to interventions and how I operate. But the best thing that I, could have done was just remember how the my favorite or you know my best mentors from you know Panthers and um K 
Kansas City and, 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 and Tennessee and Wake Forest, how they operated and see and see um and see how they did it and, and kind of try to mimic them and just add my twist. So yeah, go in there and you know communicate every day with the head athletic trainer, communicate with you know other um other clinicians there and and, and asking you, am I doing this? Like how do you like how do you like this being done? You know, constantly asking athletes, um, you know, how they go about certain stuff. But at the end of the day, too, the league is small. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So, um, yeah, I remember, like, you got a whole bunch of athletes um, in the training room. And there's an athlete. I'm not going to drop his name. There's an athlete that's there at, Car- at the Cardinals, but also was um, an athlete that I knew from Panthers. So that's the first person I'm gonna go to, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna build a rapport with him, and because I did a great job, you know, working with him at uh, Panthers, and it's now a brotherhood, and, and we bond together for a season. It's like you know he kind of embraces me, and people see that, right? You know, your other other athletes see that. Then another athlete that had a commonality of being with the Chiefs from before. And I, you know, I recognized his name and knew that he would understand how I'm coming in from the Kansas City Chiefs and having certain approaches. So that's kind of one of the first guys, you know, I work with. You know, I'm not saying I'm exclusively working with them, but that's how I build a report. Because I'm, I'm just a new face, right? Like anybody asks for something, I'm doing it. Um, at first I was just, you know, doing a little treatment in the training room at the point we had a healthy, healthy team at that point, And then running outside and, you know, trying to operate and, and, and help for field coverage. So reading the room, asking, do you need me help here? Do you need me help here? Cause I still don't know how I'm doing my role. Cause I'm wearing, I'm wearing two hats, right? So for the first couple weeks, first couple games, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just learning stuff. So it's funny how then I think maybe week two or week three, we get the COVID bug. Head athletic trainer goes out. Head coach goes out. Everyone got to bump up to their roles. So it's like, man, you're in the fire. You're either going to survive or not. And honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way because then now, you know, learning stuff, working with working with uh, the other my other colleagues more than at running and asking the head athletic trainer, what do I need to do? So that builds rapport and, you know, having to figure, having to figure certain things out and, and you know, contacting and and learning what's where things are in the training room. But at the end of the day, it's um, it's the rapport, rapport with athletes, um, have, keeping them first, you know, making sure you're asking them, you know, what their goals are, you know, how they operate, not trying to be too pushy, but, you know, providing education, putting things in, in layman's terms instead of scientific terms. So, um, you know, that, that was my that was my role in the beginning. Now we get hit with the injury bug and I'd never see outside. And I'm just in the, I'm in the training room trying to, trying to make things work, trying to get guys go outside, trying to get guys to be ready um, for Sunday. So honestly, it's, it was just, you know, trial by error. But at the end of the day, it was like, got to give credit to great preceptors, great, uh, great, um, you know, instructors I had, Panthers experience, Kansas City experience, what prepared me for what I needed to do here. Like, I wasn't shocked to having like eight guys and only two PTs in there working them and, and, and having to prioritize. I've, I've been exposed to that. That's why it, it, that's why a journey similar to mine is so vital because 
it's like you're doing it and you're wondering like, man, internship this, I'm I'm not doing, but you remember certain stuff. And then when you get exposed to it, you're not, you're not shook. You're not spooked. Right. Like I've been in, I've been in clinics where it's just been, it's been a rush. It's been a mill. So now I just am operating the same way, but just being mindful of, you know, a different culture, a different environment to a team. But at the end of the day, it's still an athletic training room. It's still the national football league and it's still, you know, helping guys get better and managing your time and, and, you know, having stamina and, and trying to be the best clinician that, that you could be. So yeah, so like mid-season, man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely wearing the PT hat, man, manual, manual therapist. Uh, you know, dry needling. We dry needle a lot uh, with with here at Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you know, exercise prescription, and then um, you know, just surviving till till the season ends. Highs and lows of the season. Um, you know, you gravitate. Certain guys gravitate towards you. Uh, your higher end guys, your 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 practice squad guys. You know, your 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 special teams guys. Everybody's important. But I think for me, um, one thing that helped me was when I was an intern. Um, and I know others that are listening to this that have done internship. Most of my greatest experiences and greatest relationships were practice squad guys. Right. Because, you know, your full time is going to take care of your stars and starters. It just it's just that way. Like, you know, it makes sense. Athletes trust them a little bit more. So then now I still have the same love for practice squad guys. And I and, and like those guys are always working because they're just trying to get the call up. And, you know, they are just as important as as the starters and your star athletes. So, um, you know, by doing that, I think. That also built my confidence for when I do get that star athlete that gravitates towards me. Um, and I've seen how, like, you know, Jim Fernandez and, and, and Julie had operated with when they had, you know, their soul and, and Ale had operated with their soul at athletes. I just, you know, remembered it and, and it did the same thing. And, man, building rapport with athletes is one of my biggest skills. So and that's where we are now. And then now we're in the off season. Off season, my, my first kind of, like, official off season as um you know as a as a full time and also like a true off season from the time I've been exposed to the NFL I'm learning that too but now my role is more um you know I can I can actually run somebody through um you know kind of like a rehab uh protocol or process and you know guys have more time for treatment it's not the pressure of the everyday schedule and you know the rush of trying to get a guy to, you know, be ready for Sunday. So, um, yeah, so the role's still the same. Um, I'm definitely trying to get some, some more roles, um, admin athletic training wise and, 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 you know, helping out and understanding, you know, more of the business side. Just recently went to the combine, um, couple weeks, months, a month ago. Um, and, you know, got that exposure. So, um, it's a lot, man. It's, um, Definitely that dual credential and working in the NFL, like it's it's way more than, you know, it's way more than treatment. It's 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 knowing so much, man. You gotta like right now, one of my things is working with our strength and conditioning staff and understanding, you know, um how they work and understanding what, you know, their their philosophies are. And and that's something I've I've had in the past that like really because you know, I hold the CSCS and strength and conditioning once once was uh 
um, one of my goals too, because, you know, I, I do like performance side of certain things. So now I'm trying to understand what they do so that we can bridge the gap a little bit better and, and work, work better because I came in, I came into the season mid season. So now it's an opportunity to, to hang out with the guys the you know, strength and conditioning guys, learn from them, work with them. It's, it's less, it's a less rush because we, we have time, you know, weekends off, no games, no practices. So hopefully I answered that. Yeah. Um, and so one of the messages I kind of got from, you know, kind of your story is that you building rapport with those players. Um, and so I know at the professional level, sometimes people are more guarded with their health. Um, like you said, some of the star players kind of prefer their people that they trust and understandably so. But, you know, if you come into contact with a person, let's say they're new to the organization and they're new to you, how do you kind of work on building that rapport, especially like let's say they've had a bad experience with a past medical provider um whether for whatever reason how do you kind of let help establish that trust between you and that that new athlete well the first thing is um i definitely got to give credit to my friend bro that's been in the league for nine to ten years because as he's been in the league he's been a great friend and understanding his mindset as an athlete and it helps me with understanding most of the mindsets of you know pro athletes especially in the nfl they're not all the same but most so your, your athlete, your pro athlete is always going to think the grass is greener on the other side, right? Because at the end of the day, I am and most of your, you know, clinicians are clinicians for the organization, right? And athletes may think that we have the organization's best interests at heart versus theirs. So they're always going to be skeptical because, you know, it's their contract, it's their body, it's, the, it's, it's them on the line. So the first thing is you have to be accepting of that. Like that can't make you, fr- like you can't be mad that the athlete seeks something else from someone else for intervention. Half, the rep is 90% of the time, that's what they're going to do right? Now you just have to accept like, where are you going? Like, maybe I might know that guy. And that's where I come in. My journey is, bro, I've been around. So like, if they're in South Florida, like they're probably working with Sharif. Like I've met Sharif. Like, you know, I've probably working with my boy Olu. Like, okay, like it's good there. Like, what are you, what are you doing? So I know not to, um, not to do that. Or maybe I might, you know, ask him or tie in and, and implement those things. Right. So it's just, being open and being honest and being you, right? And then another thing is like understanding that athlete and understanding their culture. Or just asking like, where where are you from? Like, oh yeah, you live live in the DC area. Like, I lived in DC for two years. Like, this is what you like. This high school, oh, you know, I actually know one of your ex teammates. Like, just just that. Like that just opens the door, puts the guard down. They still have a guard, but then now it's like, all right, you want to try this? No, nah, I don't really like doing this. Like person I had before used to, you know, stretch me this way. Well, you know, you can add in your your expertise in regards whether you want this or not. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to force something down their throat, they don't even know you, you're about to lose the battle, like the biggest battle, right? What you got to do is approach it, approach it like together, right? When you think about, you know, even EVP, yeah, three pillars. And one of those pillars is patient's uh, beliefs and values, right? That's that's so important. Like I mm-hmm. cannot go to a, hall, a future Hall of Famer and be like, yo, you have to do this. <laughs> He's going to the next guy. He's not working with me no more. Right? <laughs> so I've got to be like, bro, this might work. Like, you know, like, let's try this. Like, you know, have you ever done this? Like, why, why do you like this? Oh, you, this works. And they're going to ask you, yo, I've seen this done. Like, what does it do? 
and please give it to them in layman's term, not scientific term. Some of them can handle, like don't, I'm not saying none of them are not educated enough because they've been around. They probably got been exposed to more training rooms than than you than you have if you're if you're a new clinician or if you're new to the league. But it's just being collaborative and understanding that it's it's a it's it's a team effort and you're part of the team and they're part and they're part of the team. You got one goal is for them to to get better and just you know having integrity and for the most part you know telling them what they want what what they need to hear what they want to hear some of the things that they don't want to hear and just being everything straightforward and just having their best interests at heart even though that they think you don't so it's just uh every day but for the most part like i said man you just got to build that relationship and then one of my biggest things once the guy gets on the table we figure out hey you have this certain injury we're not talking about football anymore we're talking about something else like we're talking about life we're talking mm-hmm. about another sport you know, we're joking around, we're having arguments or, you know, good arguments. It's, and you're getting treatment the whole time you're building rapport and and it's creating a healthy environment. Gotcha. All right. Dana, you've been so um, generous with your time, but I do have a couple more questions for you. Um, kind of give us a day in the life of what it's like to be um, a PT ATC for the Arizona Cardinals. Let's say like a home, home, home night game for you kind of like walk us through what your day is from the time you get up until kind of like closing up wrapping up shot for the end of the night home night game um you know depending on what time the game is there's a certain time that you're expected to be at the um at the stadium uh if you were selected depends every team's different but if you're selected to do um night treatment that night before at the hotel, then you're probably, you know, packing up, bringing, um, you know, bringing a case of medication or your, your tools over to the um, to the training room uh, at the stadium. And, you know, we have our practice facility in the stadium is definitely um, a distance of 45 minutes. So make sure that, you know, you communicated to the interns of what you wanted there. Remember it in your mind. Uh, what you have there and make some things that you may bring for certain tendencies of athletes, right? So now it's game day. So one of my mindsets, um, you know, that I learned is at this point, the guys, there's some guys that may have not known if they were going to be able to go or not, but at this point, it's go time, right? So now it's basically your rituals. And I, my biggest thing, because I was an athlete, understood, you know, how, you know, athletes are very superstitious and how they, you know, abide by the rituals. If we have a routine that we're doing, I'm going to, and you have a routine, I want to stick to that routine. I want to do it because at the end of the day, at that day, the best thing from you is your, you know, psychological ready mindset. So, you know, I go there, um, you know, help assist, set up the training room, uh, help assist, um, set up the sideline. Um, and then once that is done, uh, come back in and guys start trickling in, right? So guys start trickling in and it's, uh, like I said, you, you have your certain guys, they want their laser soft tissue routine. And it's kind of like chaotic scheduling because you got to prioritize right you like for example for me i may have you know my one of my second string guys my practice squad guy that they'll come early because they know they know as well they know you know vets and you know to to, to defer to certain certain guys because at the end of the day it's only so many hands and it's almost it's only so much time so you also have to be mindful of the time set up by football operations which is all all out there in, in, the, in the training room in the locker room so you know those times and you have to get yourself ready to go outside 
So yeah, I'm 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 crunching guys out in and out on the table, right? Certain guys get more more time. Um, maybe if it's a guy that's you know needs some uh, return to play, you might defer him to our return to play specialist, or you know you're taking him out uh, on the field if if that's what's asked. But for the most part, right now, I'm just like getting all the guys on the table, helping out, helping other my other colleagues and clinicians out you know sometimes it's double treatment on a guy because it's yeah it's like six, it's 53 guys man and everyone has to go and everyone has to be ready because next it's the next guy up so yeah that's um that's pretty much right before uh right before you're going outside in the field go outside and field call my mom call my boys you know about to go on game time it's prime time most of the time and um, go out for your your warm up, uh, warm up your field coverage. You got to that's another thing. Got to know the guys. Got to know what guys are gonna want water. Got to know when. Some guys are gonna want water during the you know the the team the team plays. Some guys are gonna want water during your little individual drill. Some guys don't want water. Some guys don't even want them. We want you to talk to them, right? Then you, like it's even funny to say like certain guys you have the, your handshake with. Certain guys want the smelling salts, right? So I'm packing my pockets with whatever is needed because at this point I need to have everything that's needed and I'm getting my eyes ready for you know watching everything, trying to watch everything and. And, and stick into my assignment of who um, who gets water and timeouts and certain so forth. So now it's you know now it's now it's kick off and the game is on. So as the game is on, um, you're watching body language. You're you know you're watching you know certain guys that you were working with, uh, watching their extremities, watching how they move, um, and that's where you know the coaching coaching at Gonzaga and, and actually playing football helps because you know I got. I can I can see multiple things on the field and you know you're you're hustling to get on the field and water the guys up you're you're making sure you're a help to the head athletic trainer to, to let them notice um you notice something uh, or a player came up to you and asked for something constant communication cuz everyone has to know what's going on um and yeah man and then there's that you just you're just praying for a win and you're praying for you're praying for a low rate of injury that game, whether it happens or not. But then you just have to be ready and know that, you know, it's ne- next thing, next game, next play, right? So, uh, or next man up. So those are some certain things um, that, you know, it's on top of my mind and, you know, checking checking the sideline, uh, checking the bench, you know, blood check, uh, restocking your pockets, restock, restocking my little, my little side pouch, um, you know, having the tendencies, getting water bottles for certain guys, getting Gatorade, Propel, whatever it is that they need. Like you're just an addition, you're an addition to to them, right? Like you, you're just trying to help them. And and that's it, bro. That's 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 game day. There's, there's definitely more to it, but it's it's a lot. But that's um you just have to once once you get and you know a team and you know the players, you, you spend so much so many so much time and so many hours like you like you know you know what these guys want, right? And that's what they appreciate. Like you, them just reaching their hand out, and that smelling salt is there. Or you know them, you just coming up to them. You already know they, they need smelt, or you, you already know that they need a water, right? Or like something small, like you know one of our players is not even with us anymore. Like he put his put his helmet on the floor during the timeout. Like I don't want you bending down to go get the helmet. Like I, I got you, bro. Like you don't need 
to you don't need to do another movement of bending down when you're about to go in for a play, which we need for you to do well so we could win, right? So it's just like, you know, paying attention to detail and anticipation. That's the biggest thing um, for AT or PT working the sideline is anticipation and, and paying attention to details on every move and, and hustling. Gotcha. Yeah, thank you for, you know, I think that's a great rundown. I think you're our first NFL um, physical therapist on the, or physical therapist ATC on the podcast. So it's a great like inside look of kind of what it's like to be, you know, in the, in the, the biggest league of them all and being working at like the highest level. Um, so last question for you, Dano, do you have any advice for um, any aspiring sports clinicians, PTs, ATs, whatever it may be? Um, and you know, whatever level, you know, you, you went through a journey kind of deciding what you wanted to do through high school and undergrad and even through PT school. Um, so you've had like a wealth of knowledge and experiences. So kind of, what would be a piece of advice you would give to anybody that wants to get into working at, you know, sports at the highest level or the collegiate level? Um, what, what advice would you give to them? I would give them a couple of things like, all right, first of all, work hard and work smart. Um, work hard in regards to like every year, try to improve, right? Improve your skills, improve, uh, you know, certain certifications. Certifications aren't all, it's not all end all, but just like that's a learn, like you'll learn something from it, right? As long as you're learning something and it's making you a better clinician and helping you be more of an asset to an organization or that or that call, that's great, right? Reach out to everyone. Um, I treated the NFL like a fraternity and sorority, right? Um, I was part of a fraternity, so I know that you know networking and reaching out and showing interest is big, right? Reach out to everyone. Use LinkedIn as a platform ask questions, right? Some people are not going to be open. Some people are. Some some people are going to give you the go-to advice that you need. Some people are going to steer you away. But by reaching out, eventually someone's going to remember you and you're going to learn so much because a lot of the clinicians before me have so much experience and so much education to give. And if you look at the journey, you can, not everybody's journey is the same, but you can have like a structure, um, for what you're trying to attain, right? You can't just be like, oh, I want to do this. I'm going to do it my way. All right, that's going to take you a longer way. But if you're following someone and did certain stuff, like that's basically going to shortcut you to um, to doing it. And if you reach out to that person, that person might, you know, have it in their heart to, you know, find a, 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 a basically, you know, a prodigy and just like have the have a younger peer under them and and you know pave them to get to the point that they are. That's one of the biggest things that I want to do because I was reaching out for help so much that you know if I if someone asked me for help and you know have similar backgrounds and you know at my at my university or has a common university, I'm gonna help them and tell them what they need to do where where they may go. And you just have to be accepted of it, right? So like sometimes you're not gonna hear what you want, but you know take note of it. Um, read the room, right? Read the room of everywhere you go. So like you may be, and I know there's so many clinicians out there that are completely way better than me, went to residencies, you know, are big on, you know, certain stuff and and have great foundations. But if you come into a place where it's already established and those clinicians have a certain um, way of operating, um, you, you just can't come in and just, and think you're just about to be like, you know, star, star point guard and star player, right? Just read the room, do what's asked of you, you know, do the small things first, master those, and then everything else is going to come. Um, and also like, don't be scared to take on opportunities. Like take, don't take the opportunity 
that's going to be um, the most satisfying. Like sometimes the opportunity is going to be hard uh, or, you know, or the opportunity is going to, you know, make you uncomfortable. Like if you look at my journey, man, like half the places I've been, I had no family there. Um, sometimes it was accepting stuff that I didn't know how I was going to fund for it. Right. But I developed grit. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, like you, if you have less distractions, you're going to lock in and focus on the one thing that you're asked for. So like when I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, a kid from New York, like, bro, I'm just staying in the training room. Like I ain't got nothing else to do. Right. Kansas City, just learn and you just, just take it right. Every experience is going to build you up. And um, yeah, you just have to have faith, man, faith and be and be good to people. And be good to the be good to the athletes and be good to your patients, right? So most of my my biggest things is that what I'm seeing now is is small, bro. Like I done my first my first NFL athlete that I ever treated wasn't even when I wasn't in the team setting. I ended up treating his brother in my first team setting, but I I completely forgot that when I was treating his older brother at an outpatient place, he would leave early and be like, I got to go train with my brother. Right. And as soon as I was training, I was treating his brother. I said, yo, ask your brother about me. Right. And then like going to another team, you find another guy that you've been with like this year at Cardinals. I had three guys that I was with last year with the Panthers. Right? At this point, they're family. Right. But if I was not good to them or I, and I felt like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna talk to you. Or I'm, I, you know, what I mean, like you don't work with me. Like I'm, I'm on offense. I only work with defense. Then I would have missed out, right? Because at the end of the day, I'm here at Cardinals. I, I, I'm new. I need, I need somebody. I need, I need, I need friends. I, I need people to vouch for me. Those are the guys that you know vouch for me for real. Like those are the guys that make me feel comfortable, and and they know how I operate. So yeah, just be good to everyone, you know, people that you work with and have an open mindset and be a sponge and, and learn and understand that everything fits. Like, you know, even though we are taught in PT school and certain schools, you know, just this way, or this is taboo, whatever, like don't, you know, don't shun down a clinician for doing something a certain way. Just go ask, Hey, why, why do you do this? Understand their why. If you don't understand their why, ask them more. If you like it, you know, ask them to teach you how to do it and, and mimic it and try to teach them something. So that would be my advice. All right, Dano, I think this has been one of like the most informative podcasts. Um, your story was really, really inspiring and amazing. And um, I hope it can help other people kind of, you know, when they're deciding how they want to go about their career and their lives, they can kind of glean some really good advice from from your story. Um, before Before I let you go, do you have anything to plug any social media or anything like that? Um, I mean, my social media is open. Uh, I'm on, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can look up my name, Dano Norseed. Um, Instagram, it's Dano underscore Norseed. Uh, you know, I'm pretty, my, my page is open. Uh, so I try to be as professional as possible. Um, but you know, just it, once you see the page, you know about me because at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not all like, this is, this is what I do, but this is not all I do. And I think that's something too. Like if you're, if, you're, if this, if you're just, you know, that's the thing, like if you're just a, you're just a sports PT and this is all you do, like you have no, you have no culture, you have no life, you have no, you know, um, you don't have no personality. Like, I think that's also a struggle. So um, yeah, reach out to me, you know, like scope the page, figure out, you know, what I'm about. And I'm pretty much op open book, open person. So 
That's about it. And I just want to, you know, shout out to all my preceptors, distant mentors that helped me get to this 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 point where I could sit here and do this podcast and you know podcast when I was in AT school and PT school trying to find were very uh, monumental and I learned a lot from it. So um, that's why you know I was so open to do this, but definitely want to give credit to the people that helped me get to this point because I did not get to this point by myself. Perfect, Dano. Um, thank you for being so generous with your time and your experiences and your knowledge. Um, and this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Huge shout out for our first NFL physical therapist, Dana Norseed of the Arizona Cardinals, for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. Dana was very generous with his time and experiences, and if you learn anything from Dana's experiences and want to hear more episodes like this, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.